listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 149, covering Past Prologue and A Man Alone. Hi, friends. It's week two of Deep Space Nine, and we're still pretty damn happy about it. Still on top of the world. Top of the space. There is no reference point in space, Matt. We're not on top no, of anything. Top of nothing. and Right. But we're also not at the bottom of anything, so nope. it all works out. It is. Uh, we, we heard recently from a new listener who said, uh, we, you know, you uh, won me over when I met you at Rose City Comic Con, which was really nice to hear. And he said, but uh, I might not stick around if you guys are going to keep bashing Voyager and Enterprise. Ooh. Well, nice knowing you, guy. Hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs> Probably not going to stop doing that. No. Oh, that's too bad. But you know what we're not bashing is the show we're watching right now. Yeah, Deep Space Nine, which we love. Which is pretty great, and which has somehow managed to completely engage us in some pretty complex character stuff in week two and three. Yeah, let's talk about the fact that, like, for pretty big chunks of both of these episodes, we just watched them again. Yep. Yeah, and, and for, for Matt and I to sit here and watch them together and not say stupid shit to each other the whole yeah. time. Talk about, well, I mean, Breaking Bad's over, but talk about whatever, you know. I, I'm sure we could still find something to talk about with Breaking Bad. Probably. But uh, not, not, not when this is on. Quiet, Star Trek's on. Yeah. Got my stories. Turn off my phone <laughs> and uh, watch my stories. Let's see what Odo's up to. Yes. Something Turns cool, no doubt. Yes. Cool and uh, morphy. Yep. So let's let's talk first about the episode Past Prologue, which was mine. Yes. Why don't you tell us about it? Why don't you just give me the name of the movie you want to see? <laughs> Meet Garrick, the station's only Cardassian occupant. Garrick is a tailor, or as everyone keeps saying for some reason, a clothier. One day, Garrick sidles up to Dr. Bashir and introduces himself, clearly flirting and confusing the hell out of Bashir, who thinks Garrick is a gay spy or something. <laughs> Poor naive idiot. Meanwhile, the Cardassians are chasing down one of approximately 700,000 Mullady Bajoran rebels who still think the war is on. Sisko rescues the dude and considers his request for asylum, while Kira screams and knocks over tables and demands that the hero of the Bajoran people blah blah something. Yeah, dial it down, lady. Then the Klingon Cleavage sisters, that's cleavage spelled Q apostrophe leavage, Lursa and Bator show up. Turns out they're trying to sell some kind of weapon to the Mullady dude that Kira insists isn't a threat to anyone. He wants to blow up the wormhole, you see. Because nothing says, let's fight for the Bajoran people quite like I'm going to murder our gods with a bomb. <laughs> no wonder the Klingons support his plan. Actually, they don't support it completely because they're willing to sell him out to those Cardassians who were chasing him at the beginning of the episode. They do this by approaching simple clothier Garrick, who just happens to have Dr. Bashir trying on a suit in the back room, so he hears the whole thing and tattles back to Sisko. Sisko uses this information to round up a posse and stop Mullet Man, and Kira learns an important lesson about who the real good guys are and probably also about what it means to be human. There's a lot less learning what it means to be human in Deep Space Nine, because most people in this show don't really care what it means to be human. This is a good point. However, they do learn what it means to <clears throat> not be an asshole. Yeah. Kira, I think you learned an important lesson about not ratting me out to the <laughs> to my boss. Right. Oh, yeah, I left that part out. Yeah. Where um, she didn't like the answer she got from Cisco, so she went to one of the uh, grandma admirals. Yep. And, uh, Grandma, 
Commander won't let me do what I want. Oh, well, dearie. I'll, I'll just, get uh, right on that. Uh-huh. It was ben, me. who the hell was that? Who, who is Kira Nerys? Nerys. Why? Well, you tell Miss Nerys from me. Oh, no, no. It's Kira. I don't care, Ben. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, Kira's really got, like, she's just full on, you know, um, what's the word? Bitchy? There we go. No, no, no. We need to save that for next episode for a different character. Yeah. I, I like Kira quite a bit, but you don't go over your boss's head. No, you don't do that. You don't do it. No. Especially she... not the new boss. This is, there's there's two episodes in a row here where it's Cisco and another main character against each other, directly against each other in conflict. Yep. And that, right off the bat, is what makes this show different than Next Gen. Absolutely. They're not afraid to put their, their main characters in conflict with each other, and it makes for interesting drama. These are these are people with uh, conflicting agendas who don't particularly trust each other yet. Right. I, they will eventually, but yeah, for now, but it's nice to see them growing. We're not all friends like over at TNG. Right. Where on day one, everybody was like, oh, well, of course, you're in Starfleet. We never lie. Yep. Yeah, well, Kira's not in Starfleet. She lies all the time. Oh, yeah. She's the other part of that puzzle. She always lies. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell me your good thing. All right. I love seeing that even this early in the series, we don't have Bajorans that are just automatically the good guy. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot going on in the series, and just because some dude has a crinkle in his nose, it doesn't make him the. It doesn't make him trustworthy. Definitely doesn't. Like the it's like the first thing we do in the series is set up. Bajorans are the good guys. Cardassians mm -hmm. are the bad guys. It's never that simple on the show, though. Ever. No, it's not, and that's why it's such a great show. And like the, both of these episodes are about Bajorans with grudges. There's going to be a lot of that. There's going to be too much of that, and I mm. can't exactly say. Well, actually, it was my bad thing. I still don't love Rebels. Bajoran Rebels at least have something to do with the plot, and I'm more engaged with them than I was any of the Mullity guys on Next Gen. But uh, Rebels are Rebels, you know. Mm. There's that same sneery, sort of unlikable quality in all of them. Yeah. At least in this case, though, the Rebels are Rebels from a planet that we do actually give a shit about. Right. And or will, at least. You understand their agenda, and even as we were watching it this second time, I did point out that his plan kind of made sense, because they don't mm -hmm. know that the Prophets are in there yet. No. Cisco I was actually surprised by that, but this is one of the, one of the problems with watching the show again when you know how it ends, is that you kind of get confused about what's happened. Right. That's why we got to really pay close attention, and I think not spoiling things may help. Yeah. For, it'll it'll force us to sort of live in the moment and, and only talk about what we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, we did, of course, get the first appearance of Garrick, who, um, without spoiling anything, will go on to be my single favorite supporting character, and I'm guessing yours as well. Easily. Yeah. Garrick is... Such awesome. a fascinating character. And he's awesome right from the beginning. He is the first guy who speaks in this mm -hmm. episode, and, and I was surprised to see him so soon. Yep. He's he's this he is a, a clothier, as he calls himself. I'm not sure. I like what to that pronounce is. it clothier. 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 <laughs> of course, in the original Bajoran. Yes. Wait, are they so they represent the French then? Yes. Oh. Also, right. in the original Bajoran, Clothier is spelt with an I. Ah. Now, the penitent man kneels before God. <laughs> the um the, the the way he shows up though and just sort of starts fucking with Bashir, the most the, the young, innocent, naive, you mm -hmm. know, guy who doesn't know what's going on and I, I don't know, I love that. Yep. I love that he picks the guy that 
no matter what ridiculous shit he might try to plant there, no one's going to believe him. Yeah. And you know Garrick's been watching this guy for like a week. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Before he before he finally goes up and approaches him. Because that's just how Garrick works. Yeah, he's not going to go to Cisco, mm-hmm. And he probably won't go to Dax. Like, right. They, possibly Chief O'Brien. He might be able to pull some kind of I thing with him. I can see that. If, but, if, if Bashir wasn't there. But we basically... Bashir basically walked into Quarks with a big sign on his chest saying, saying, naive. Well, it's like I said last week, I'm amazed that the very first time we see him, he didn't walk right out of Quarks with a barrel over him. <laughs> like, that's, uh, he hangs out in a casino. Mm-hmm. A guy like that, you don't, you keep away from your casino, man. It's like he doesn't even like having money. No. He's, you know, I mean, his his, his name is Julian Bashir, but his real name is Rube. Yep. It's written right across his forehead. Oh, yeah. I there there's the part where like where Garrick tries to tell him as not subtly well Garrick has Garrick's Gar- got because, a way of being direct by being indirect by yeah. being direct it's very where he he's trying to get Bashir to go check out a suit right while uh while this sinister while this clandestine meeting is taking place right and Bashir's just like why on earth would he want me to buy a suit from him and it goes on like that for, I mean, not not painfully long, not so no. it's annoying. But, but he it, does walk into Garrick's shop and at least begin to try on the suit. Yeah, he he's not quite clear why he's there. Yeah. Which is which is great, and that's exactly what Garrick was going after, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Garrick, as far as I can tell, still may have some contacts with the Cardassians, according to this episode. Yeah, we're not entirely sure yet. And this is one of those ongoing things where we're never entirely sure if he's an exile. These are things that are brought up in this episode, by the mm-hmm. way. Whether he's an exile or whether he's still sort of working as a, some kind of a spy. Yeah. His story is that he stayed behind because he has a shop there. Yep. And that's and he's just that's a simple clothier. Yes. Just Why on earth would he want to leave his clothier <laughs> shop? No, every every promenade, every every business community needs a clothier. Of course. You know, you got the butcher and you got the the baker, the candlestick maker, and the clothier. Yeah. Those are the essential services. And I mean, cas- after those four, you really don't need anything else. No, and a casino. You got to have a casino. Ah, yes, of course. I mean, that was Cisco's number one thing. Let's let's open the casino back up and show everyone that life is normal. Yep. So, um... I, my- I'd, I'd also like to, while we're still on the subject of Garrick, uh-huh. uh, for people who've, who have pointed out, for those people who have said that there are no gay people in Star Trek... <laughs> <clears throat> he, uh, Andrew Robinson, the guy who plays him, the guy who played the bad guy in the original uh, Dirty Harry movie. Yeah. And other things, but he's he's best known for that. Um, Says that he played him gay. Yep. And without really... I mean, his read of the first script he was in was like, oh, well, clearly Garrick is hitting on Dr. Bashir. Right. Which is an interesting take on it, and they didn't, yep. they didn't tell him not to do that. Nope. So... Now, eventually they will... Yeah, there's a there, there's. Uh, I was trying not to spoil it, but we. Well, uh, we don't have to say it. We can just say he gets into a relationship. Yeah, at some point we'll see him in a heterosexual relationship. So yeah. maybe he's maybe he's bi. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, what? What? You think he might be lying? <laughs> you think you think he you may don't have some? Say. You think he might have some extra layers, some extra secrets mm. there? Yeah. Yeah. It's probably not as straightforward as gay or straight with him. Just like it's not straightforward with anything else. Yeah. Uh, so my good thing, there is a lot going on in this episode, as oh, Matt, yeah. Matt said. Uh, somehow they managed to juggle Garrick, the Duras sisters, Kira's backstory, a test of Kira and Sisko's relationship, and Bajoran politics, and they do it without being confusing or overly complicated. 
for the second episode of a series, and Matt pointed out to me at this point in Next Gen, we were watching The Naked Fucking Now. Mm-hmm. That's goddamn impressive. Yeah. This is not a show that holds your hand. It expects you to keep up. And I like that as of episode two, our commander and first officer don't particularly like each other, much less agree on much of anything at all. They're, they yell at each other for half this episode. Yep. And it's not over. Like, it's better now. Yeah, but- they're, they're, like, they're, they're still not getting along. No, and I've, I've pointed this out before, and I'll point it out again. They don't do the nice TV neat resolution where this week it's fixed, and then it's fixed forever. Yeah. It's still going to go on for a little while. Mm-hmm. Still, she's still not going to trust him, and he now has reason to kind of not trust her. Yeah. I mean, we, we were talking about this. Like, there are a lot of reasons for him to suspect that Kira is working with this guy. Yeah. Well, she, you know... She has blatantly said, I don't want the Federation here. I don't want the Federation here. I don't want, like, I want Bajoran, a Bajor for Bajorans. Right. And, you know, the guy's plan wasn't that stupid, like we were saying. We don't know that the prophets are in there. All he knows is this wormhole is dragging all these aliens into their system. Yeah. And no one would have any interest at all in Bajor if you got rid of the wormhole. Mm -hmm. And as plans go, it wasn't a terrible one. The idea behind it's not great. Plus, you get the Federation out of there this early. You're gonna, you're just gonna have the Cardassians back. And and they actually did a really nice job of of uh, having Kira say that a couple of times, and then giving him the choice at the end. Yeah. Well, you can come into custody with us, or we can hand you over to the Cardassians. I'm going with you. Yeah. Like he you realizes. Know what, <laughs> you know what they do to their prisoners, right? Yeah. Because you know, if you're lucky, you can we can get you into a prison cell that uh, James T. Kirk used to stay at when he needed a week off. <laughs> Jim slept here. Yep. Or you can count you can how tell many... because the, there were so many notches on the bed, the bed actually caved in. <laughs> or you can go play Count the Lights at a Cardassian prison camp. I don't like this game. <laughs> That's not a very fun game. Nope. And eating raw things out of eggs. Mm-hmm. Which isn't he actually might, torture. He, he might like the eggs. Who knows? That wasn't actually torture. That was just a thing that they did. That was just maggot eggs. But I realized, like, this isn't one of our, uh, we have foreknowledge of it because we've seen DS9 stuff. We've seen someone tortured by Cardassians before. Mm-hmm. And it ain't pretty. No. Um, they make that shit into an art form. Yeah. They absolutely do. Messy uh, art form. What was your bad thing? What was my bad thing? It feels like everyone, it feels like somebody passed out stupid pills this week. Really? Both Julian and Kira seem really, really gullible. Like, okay, Julian's in character, and how easily he's by, you know, even with how easily he's strung along by Garrick, I'm watching him just going, really? Really? <laughs> See, I love, that's what I love about him early on. He's, he is so completely like oh, that. man. Like, I mean, okay, fresh out of med school. It's that frontier medicine speech all over yeah. again. He doesn't, it doesn't occur to him. He's, he's really smart, but it doesn't occur to him that his worldview could be different than the way he sees it. Mm-hmm. Which I love. Now, Kira, on the other hand, she's just now, blinded by her loyalties. Like, she... I, I keep forgetting this dude's name, but he strings her along yeah. so simply just by being like, you know, oh, I guess you're not a real Bajoran then. I mean, you're working with the, with the Federation. Oh, this happens so... This, this is one of those things, and, and again, not really a spoiler, that pe- rebels will just show up over and over again calling Kira a sellout. Mm-hmm. They, just, they just keep doing that. And I mean, like, this chick spent, like... Her entire life blowing up Cardassians, okay? Yep. Like, her loyalty's not in question here. No. She really likes Bajor. Yeah, but it does look like she's a sellout. I t- you know what I'm saying? I mean, it might be because I'm kind of fond of Starfleet. I guess I'd have to be after this long. 
Yeah, but it's another occupying force. That's true. It's another force with a with a star fleet mm-hmm. that can come and fucking vaporize you from orbit if it wanted to. Now, granted, they don't have a history of doing that. No. But that's beside the point. They've been occupied for almost a century, and now here comes another force that could just as easily occupy them. Yeah, that's true. That's that's how they see it anyway. And somebody was saying to me, I think it might have been Vishal, mentioned that for some reason we're okay with Rebels on this show. Yeah, we are. Like, uh, well, I still, like I said, it was kind of my bad thing. Mm. I, 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 it's not my favorite plot element. But it, that said, it made for a good episode here. So, it, you know. well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Our problem with the Rebels on TNG is that they're all, they were always the same. They were always the same mullety assholes in leather jackets. And they were connected to planets we'd never seen before and would never see again. Yeah. You they get, had no connection with our main characters, whereas yeah. this had a direct connection to one of our main characters. Yes. Bajor is an incredibly important part of this show. Right. And, I mean, like, okay, still, it's still early in the series, but, like... Yeah, you but know, that's why Cisco's there. Cisco's there to get them ready to join the Federation. Yeah, that's what that's what Picard said when he gave him his little mission statement at the very beginning. Things have changed dramatically from the original series, where you can let someone into the Federation without even actually looking at their planet. Right. It's nice that there's an application process and and so forth now. Yeah, you know, maybe uh, we're gonna work through with this swimsuit competition or something. <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, I what hope else? they do what? have a swimsuit competition because Daxel fucking swamp no dax thing. dax isn't trying to join the federation matt well she should she's already part of the federation get in there <laughs> put this on you just want to see dax naked yeah all right nothing wrong with that i mean can you blame me well no right, i do too then. but we're watching a tv show from the 90s and it ain't gonna happen she does get into that swimsuit yeah but that's in like season five or something i can wait all right I got that good thing picked out <laughs> way in advance. It's got that cover art picked out, too. <laughs> um, it was interesting seeing the Duras sisters. You mentioned that you, you think that they fit on the show a bit better than they did on I Next do. Gen. I, f- I never liked the Duras sisters in uh, TNG. I liked them or rather, the first, they were fine. The yeah, they were fine in like their first redemption. appearance. That but they a... kept they tried to make them into a reoccurring villain. Yeah, that didn't really work. To for the me. point where they were in generations for some reason. Yeah. And they never worked. I think when whenever the script called for someone to help out a mercenary. Yeah. The idea was these guys were sort of out on the fringes trying to rebuild their power base and they would help people like Soren and they would help people like this Bajoran guy. Yeah. Maybe they just like things that end in Orin. Well, who doesn't? To help the Bajorans, to help Soren. They oh. still have that little necklace from the never-ending story. They'll help uh, Senator Orrin Hatch. Yep. Yeah, Senator Orrin Hatch. Where the fuck did that come <laughs> from? Ladies and gentlemen, Senator Orrin Hatch. I don't know. I just pulled that from nowhere. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they do seem a little more, because they are sort of the shady underbelly. Yep. Next Gen never really pulled off. We talked about this last week. Next Gen always tried to go to bars where seedy things happened and shady people were, and it never really worked. No, every everyone on that crew looks so completely out of place whenever they go into a shady bar. Except Riker. Well, of course. Riker looked like he owned the place, but, you know, we talked about this when Quark had his little appearance on Next Gen. Like, yep. if, uh, we would love to see that scene with Riker. Oh, yeah, totally. Going to Quark's, because he'd, he'd handle himself just fine there. Mm-hmm. But this show, because that's pretty much what we're dealing with, is people sort of out on the fringes. 
you're right. These guys seem a little more in place. Yeah, like this is this is where if they were, and I don't believe they come back because they die in generations pretty soon. Um, not very. Like we still got another season and a half of this show. I think they show up again. Oh, okay. Uh, and I only mention that because they talk about um, them selling some kind of mining something on next gen. Ah, uh, yes, mining rights. As as though it were a thing that happened on DS9, but I could mm. be wrong about that. Um, we're talking about this, uh, like, this is about as close uh, as TNG and DS9 sort of get to uh, crossovers. Yeah. Like, the show never turns into, like, when Buffy and Angel would do, like, an episode that just led into another episode. Yeah. No, it's, um, uh, Q's gonna show up in a few weeks. And... Yeah, that'll be weird. Yeah, well. And I think We're talking about characters who don't fit on this show. Well, and that's why he didn't come back. Mm-hmm. He only has the one appearance in this season. Um, let's see, Q will come back, uh, they will have Thomas Riker show up. Yep. Not exactly a spoiler. That's still a ways off, too. Yeah. And I think that's it. Like, yep. I don't, I, I, as, as crossover characters go, even, I think, I think that's about all. This is something I've often thought about with DS9, where, like, the, they, they just, they never do really much of the, much of the crossover with other series. Well, and with I, the exception of uh, Trials and tribu- Tribulations, which right. is fucking amazing. No, 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 no. There's, there's some other stuff, and we'll talk about this when I turn the mics off, because then we're, we're getting into some spoiler stuff. Mm. But there is some more um, original series stuff. There's quite a uh, bit yes, of original series that, stuff. Yeah. No, there's that, and then there's another thing. Mm. There's Dax's friends, and then there's some people that O'Brien hangs out with. Yep. And it's all, like, I feel like this show... I feel like Next Gen was trying really hard to get out of the original series Shadow. I could definitely see that, yeah. And I feel like DS9 is trying to get out of Next Gen Shadow, but it's it's far enough removed from the original series that they're okay mm. acknowledging that's where they came from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because something about that 60s show had a had a... It feels like they could have done some of this shady stuff on that show. There's a little... There, the original series was a little dirtier. It was. You know, and I, like, I mean, we never got to uh, we never got to the DS9 sort of area, n- but no. But I feel like you could do an episode or two of that show. Yeah, there was a you know, there's a little bit of shadiness. Yeah, and it it just it fits a little better. Whereas next gen, this is as far from next gen as you can get, which was sort of the point. I think mm. they were like deliberately trying to do the opposite kind of show. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, apart from O'Brien and then later Worf, you really you know you had no connection to, to uh, next gen, which I like. Mm. Yeah. It's its own thing, and it's already very much its own thing. Yeah. I'm already, you know... It's surprising how its own thing it's already become. Yep. Well, they did, they did, they were really smart. The, the first two episodes after the pilot are dealing with relationships between the main characters. Yeah. Neither of these episodes were sort of gimmicky, you know, wacky premise of the week episodes. No. These they were are, both character episodes. These are, uh, these are very small episodes, you know? In a, in a way, they're small as far as scope goes, but there's a lot happening. Oh yeah, like I'm not saying they're I'm not saying that's bad. Like both of these episodes have like a B plot and a C plot. Yeah. They're 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 very character driven. Yeah. And they're just like like the first episode is about a bomb. Right. You know, like Yeah. No we're not saving planets here or anything. Nope. We're just trying to keep a bomb from exploding. Someone set up us the bomb. It's true. Hello, gentlemen. How are you, gentlemen? <laughs> All your space station are belong to us. <laughs> there was the bit at the beginning where he's calling for help because the Cardassians are chasing him, and he's like, "Space station, come in, come space in, station. space station. This is spaceship." 
driven by astronaut. It just makes me just want to call it space station all the time. <laughs> da, 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 da. Space station nine. Space station. <laughs> nice. A lot of my notes are like, I love Cisco. I also love Odo. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to, to go through here and find, uh, find funny things to say because, you know. We're in a lot of trouble. Yes, we sure so are. This, this show's really good. This comedy show's turning into something... Uh... A tragedy show. <laughs> <laughs> well, give it time. It'll be funny again. Uh, tragedy plus time. That's actually all I had for this one. I, got... I want to make a brief mention of the extremely comfortable bed that's given to us. Uh... Oh, yes. This well, is I... so weird. He's like, it's been a long time since I've slept in a real bed, and I thought he was still in sick bed. It's like a yeah. table with a cushion. Is that a, a real bed? It. That looks like a that looks like an ironing board with a with a like a cushion glued to it. No, looks like packing wrap. No, it, it definitely it looked like one of those doctor's tables that you yeah. lie on. Not like, very comfortable. Really? Major Kira, you've you've become too complacent sleeping in your comfortable beds. <laughs> Is that what I've been doing? Look at this plush thing. <laughs> You're not used to sleeping on a rock like I am. <laughs> uh, what else? Anything? Uh, mm, no. That's pretty much all I had. Yeah, we talked about uh, Kira going over his uh, his head. Yep. Guess that's it. Well, I have a quote, and it's uh, Cisco actually reacting to that. Which I love when Cisco. This is a thing that will come up repeatedly. Yep. I love it when Cisco gets all growly and mean. I have to say this, Commander. When we first talked, I wasn't sure you. This wouldn't have been possible without your support. I want you to know it's appreciated. Be sure to mention it the next time you chat with Admiral Roldman. Sir. Go over my head again, and I'll have yours on a platter. I, I, and just the way Kira just sort of sort of runs up, she's like, "Oh, Ca- Commander, you know, I would, none of this would have been possible without you." And she's just she's so excited, and she's helping out guys that need helping out. Yep. And she clearly completely forgot about that phone call <laughs> she made yesterday. Yep. Whoops. Pretty great. Quite enjoyed that. Yep. So that's all for this episode. Uh, one one thing that just hit me that uh, I wanted to mention actually from last week. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you caught this. One of our, uh, one of our friends and listeners, uh, Jason, mm. pointed out that um, the Vulcan captain of the Saratoga, the ship that Cisco was on when it went down, sure, uh, was played by J.G. Hertzler. I think that's his name. The dude who played Martok. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So uh, an upcoming character of ours, another peripheral character that Fucking we're quite fond of. character. Yeah. Uh, the, that actor was in the pilot. I, just, huh. I didn't. I didn't realize if you realized because I didn't. He pointed no. it out to me, and I had to look it up. And like, I'm, oh. I'm never good at spotting those guys in the heavy makeup without I, their heavy makeup. I often am if they have distinctive eyes, like like Gowron or like uh, Galdukat, or if mm-hmm. they have a distinctive voice, like either of those guys. Well, unfortunately, Gowron doesn't, or uh, Martok doesn't even have very distinctive eyes. Not really, no. That you can tell. Well, I'm going to leave that one alone for Speaking now. Speaking of uh, characters and makeup, didn't you have a story about that you were telling me? Sort of. It's not much of a story. I met the guy. I met Andrew Robinson, the guy who played Garrick. Mm-hmm. Sort of. I was at a I was at a Star Trek convention, and he was the next one to speak. And he was hanging out uh, out of makeup uh, outside the the uh, the venue outside the the room, 
And people are just walking right by, and he's got this big old smile like he has when he's Garrick, this creepy-ass, like, Satan smile. Mm. And everyone's just walking past him, not realizing. I, re- I totally realized it was him. I turned to my, my girlfriend at the time, and I said, look, that's Garrick, that's Garrick. She's like, yeah, go talk to him. Like, no. What am I going to say to Garrick? Yeah, exactly. And so I, you know. And Let's then he go went behind up. him and give him a shoulder massage. <laughs> uh-huh. Hey, brother. <laughs> Matt, this was 1996. I don't think the Arrested Development reference would have been gotten by him. You would have still known it, though. Oh, of course. That show's timeless. <laughs> no, it was, it was one of those things where I did, I did, uh, I, I was, I, I didn't know what to say to him. Like, I, I seriously didn't know what to do. Hey, you play a Cardassian. Yeah, I'm, I'm never good with doing that with people who do stuff that I, fuck, that I love. No. Hey, you but, don't know me, but I love that crap you do. The, the the panel that he did right after that, though, he got up on stage, and you could see, like, sort of the, the first few rows go, oh. Oh, that sort of dawning. I yeah. could have said hi to Garrick. Right. And I was like, I, I could have, too, but I didn't. Because I didn't want to be an idiot. <laughs> that's what makes me better than you. Yep. Well, that and I'll have a podcast one day. Well, yes. That'll make me better than everyone. It's true. Except you, but I'm working on that. He'll never be better than me. Why don't you talk about a man alone, Matt? All right. Which is the next episode. It's another Thursday night at Quark's. The O'Briens are bickering. Oh, shit, I forgot. With O'Brien coming back, so too returns his better half. Julian is trying to get into Dax's old man pants. Odo is performing a little bit of police brutality. In this case, the brutality in question is Ibudan, Bajoran scoundrel with a name that sounds like scat. <laughs> Odo knows him from the old days and wants him off the station, so it's lucky that he's stabbed to death while getting a massage from a creepy woman with waffle fingers. Less lucky when everybody realizes that the most likely suspect is Odo. Uh, Odo. The hunter has become the hunted. Wait, no. Actually, that doesn't happen at all. Instead, the hunter becomes relieved of duty and gets his office vandalized. Meanwhile, Keiko O'Brien, looking for somebody to nag while Miles is at work, sees Jake and Nog having fun and vows to put a stop to it. She decides to open a school on DS9, despite her complete lack of training or experience. Meanwhile, back at something interesting, Bashir discovers weird shit on the walls of Iwudan's quarters and, using back-to-tank technology, finds out that Iwudan's corpse was actually Iwudan's clone's corpse. Turns out Ibudan murdered the clone of himself to frame Odo, the giant throbbing asshole. Odo turns into a chair and arrests the real Ibudan, who's been wearing a rubber mask and standing menacingly in the background of key scenes. Back at the schoolhouse, Keiko is bombarded by spitballs. Could I please ask you not to say Ibudan anymore? Ibudan. Damn it. I suppose not. (laughs) There were, this was another one where there's three distinctive plot threads going on. There's Bashir wants Dax. Yep. There's Miles. And and then there's the main plot that you uh, you uh. mostly described in your uh, thing. She's back. <laughs> Better than a heart attack. We we talked about um, this this show having its extended cast and and all these different characters. Yeah. Guess who's a member of that extended she's cast? Certainly one of them. And oh my god. Now we have been accused of being a little unfair to Keiko. Mm-hmm. The very first thing we see is her yelling at Miles in public. Yep. At, <laughs> just, at Quarks. Yeah, at Quarks. While members of the cast look over and just shake their heads sadly. Yep. Quark and Odo looking up at them like, oh, what is, what is that? Uh, you know, yep. after seeing that, I can get behind uh, Odo's, Odo's feelings on romance. That was your quote, wasn't it? 
It was, actually. So let's just play that now. All right. I'll never understand the humanoid need to couple. You've never coupled? Choose not to. Too many compromises. You want to watch the Caronet tournament? She wants to listen to music, so you compromise. You listen to music. You like Earth jazz? She prefers Klingon opera, so you compromise. You listen to Klingon opera. So here you were, ready to have a nice night watching the Caronet match, and you wind up spending an agonizing evening listening to Klingon opera. <laughs> What could they be going on about like that anyway? She doesn't like it here. Mm. Who does? Yeah. It feels like he actually dated someone once. That, that's a little too specific to <laughs> just be something he's been thinking story. about. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a very much a, like, I tried this once. Yep. Didn't work. I don't need to do it again. That's that's pretty much Odo's style, I think. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that's Odo's she's... style. If that's what he said. <laughs> but that's um, that's that's Keiko. She she's and and the whole time, Chief O'Brien's trying to come up with some some like, well, why, why don't we start a? Uh, why don't you go to the on some of these ships to the Gamma Quadrant and yeah. explore the new plants? You're a plant person, no? L- look, you got a lot of options here. Could it's start a, an a, arboretum here? It's a no? giant space station, and we're going to be sending tons of science vessels over to the wormhole to see what's in the Gamma Quadrant. You're trained as a botanist, so, like, you know, get over there and see what's going on. I don't want to do that, Miles! Yep. Wow, you could have the whole conversation yourself there. That's right? pretty good. She just, she's the worst. Yeah. And eventually she decides that there should be a school, which I actually think is a really cool thing. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, they talked about this when they launched the show. Uh, Gene always said that Star Trek, the original, the original series, the, the pitch was uh, wagon train to the stars. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that they're exploring the frontier and they're not quite sure what's out there and, you know, so forth. Yeah. And this is more like one of those shows that was based in a small frontier town. Yeah. Like Gunsmoke or something. Mm-hmm. I think Gunsmoke was. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I didn't watch Westerns. I didn't watch Westerns in the 60s because I wasn't alive. No. <laughs> but, uh, it, it, I mean, you know, even Deadwood to some extent. Mm-hmm. It's it's a town. It's just it's like a a, a a tiny model of civilization gradually building itself. Yeah, just and, away from everyone else. Right. Which And you get a lot of that. You get a lot of the Western archetypes in this one in particular. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Cisco's sort of the marshal and then Odo's sort of the sheriff. Yeah. And that's actually uh, goes right into your good thing, doesn't it? It does indeed. One of my favorite things about DS9 is Odo as sheriff. So mm-hmm. I love the fact that this episode is simultaneously a locked room mystery, mm-hmm. a frame up, and that it has a solution that only works because it's science fiction in the future. Yeah. And they also didn't make a huge deal out of the clone thing. For some reason, that would have felt sort of cheap and yeah. stupid on next gen. It's just, it's Star Trek, you know? You- you can get a clone if you know how. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. The way they handled it here felt a little better than the than the way they might have on mm. uh, Next Gen. I don't know what it is. Just... It was a clone the whole time. It was the clone. <laughs> no, it is great, and and it's great. We'll we'll see other stories coming up. Yeah. where Odo investigates murders or, or other crimes, and and it's very cool seeing him because. And we get a lot of this in this episode. His whole thing is justice. Yep. 
He doesn't care who's in charge right now. He wants justice. No, he, he has a scene with Cisco. Where he's like, it, uh, laws come and go, Commander. Yep. At the end of the day, I know what justice is. Then Cisco fucking shuts him right down. He's like, well, it's a conflict of interest. You can't do that. So we're, we're, we're still working on our You don't tell place. me what I can and can't do. What are you, Locke from Lost now? You're a loose cannon, Odo. <laughs> you need a last name. But you get results. Damn right I get results. What about the right to that little girl? I'll have your badge for this. My badge is actually part of my morphing self. <laughs> then how the hell do I contact you on it? <laughs> Answer me that if you're so smart. I mean, where does his badge and his clothes go when he turns into a rat? Tell I me actually that. have a theory about that. Oh? It just floats around inside of him. Ew. Yeah. Even if he's a little tiny rat? Yeah. How does that work? Well, I mean, that rat wasn't... What, like, that rat could still fit a, uh, a com badge inside of it. Yeah, but not a whole uniform as well. No, the unif the uniform's part of him. The com badge isn't. Oh, I see. It's just when he's uh, when he's in humanoid form, it sort of floats out to his chest. I see. I don't know that I buy that, but that's as good as ex I, <laughs> explanation listen, as anything. I'll take my no prize any time now. Okay. Uh, what was your bad thing? <sighs> Let's get this out of the way of the series so we can move on. Mm -hmm. Is there any particular reason why Keiko is qualified to teach at a school? Well, she's... Fucking she, botanist. Yeah, she's certified as a scientist. That's pretty much the only thing. Is it because she has a kid? Molly's like two years old. That's not experience. That's mm -hmm. a thing you've been doing for a while. I know people who have done hobbies for longer than that and still can't teach them. It's like Cisco handed her the job because... Actually, I don't have any idea why he handed her the, handed her the job. Maybe he owes O'Brien a favorite. Was hoping <laughs> this would shut her up. <laughs> You're not wrong to, to raise that question. But on the other hand, because it is sort of a frontier town and there is nobody else there mm. to do it. Somebody's got to do it. And that's kind of the, the thing that happens out on the frontier is whoever, you know. The thing is, this is a huge station with a lot of people, with a lot of permanent residents. We've also got Bajor right there, and it's a Bajoran station. Are you telling me that you can't find a Bajoran teacher on there somewhere? Probably not a Bajoran that wants to go live on a gross old space station. Gross old, great old space station. It's, it's, it's terrible, though. And, and it, it's pretty gross. It's it's where they would process mining crap for slaves. But I mean, listen, a job's a job. You know what the economy's like right now. <laughs> I don't know what it's like That's in the 24th century. That's some fucking humor right there. I, I don't know what it's like in the 24th century, Matt. That's supposed to be what it's like to write for The Daily Show. Uh, well, unless you're writing for um, John Oliver, then you also have to put an delay in there somewhere. delay. You're the most English thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Now, Keiko being the teacher, it, it's just one of those things. It's just one of those somebody had to do it. Uh, th those who can't teach. That's what it is. Uh, those who can't. You know my mom's a teacher, right? Yeah, I know. It's like, yes, I'm aware. I'm sure you've heard that expression before. Oh, yes. <laughs> and those who can't teach, teach Jim. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> See, she's not teaching Jim, so that's true. that. But yeah, I can, and I oh god, I feel for those kids. Oh uh, yeah, boy, do I. There's a there's a great. The first thing we're gonna learn about is Japan, <laughs> the best country on earth. And the next thing we're gonna learn about is Japan. All the things we're gonna learn about are me. There's one anime kid in the back who's just like ah, <laughs> bonsai tree. <laughs> ah, it's so kawaii. Makes a little peace symbol. Uh huh. Uh, Inuyasha, ah. Speaking of racism, uh -huh. 
there's a there's a nice little bit where uh where, where uh Jake and uh the Ferengi kid, uh Quark's nephew Nog, uh-huh. are starting to hang out and get in trouble. Yep. And Cisco's like, I don't want you hanging out with that Ferengi kid anymore. It's like, wow, that's a little racist, oh, isn't come it? On, ben, you're better than that. And then and then we get to the end and the the school opens and uh Rom, the kid's uh father, yep. brings him in and says, I don't want you hanging out with that human kid anymore. You stay away from him, brother. <laughs> that's great. Like that that somehow made it it took it from being kind of racist to kind of okay, everybody everybody's yeah, dad no, is like th- that. Th- listen, you're going to get this from people all over the place. You're going to get this from dads. It's just, yeah. it just felt like a very dad thing. I don't want you spending time with him. He's a bad influence. Yeah. I don't want you spending time with him. He's a bad influence. <laughs> He's a bad influence. Rom didn't sound oh. like the Rom that we will get to know no. later. I that's understandable. I don't think anyone. I don't think you could go into a new series and pitch that character. Well, it's, I don't listen, know why they listen, end up playing him that way either. Listen, Quark's brother's going to show up now. We're going to make him. Okay, you guys are. You guys know that character from Disney, Goofy. <laughs> now we all this work, all this hard work we've done to get people to not hate the Ferengi, to take them kind of seriously. Well, we're gonna we're gonna throw all that to the floor. Yeah. Okay. Here's a garbage can. I want you to throw all that away. Yeah, all that goodwill just goes away. Mm. And here's Rom. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Now, for now, he's just Quark's brother who who works at the casino. Yep. It's it's fine. Yeah. Uh, that character, see. he'll also, despite being ridiculous, he'll also turn into a great character. Yeah, he will. <laughs> One thing in particular that, uh, well, I'm I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop being vague about stuff. I'm just not gonna spoil anything yep. at all. Moving so, on. So my good thing, yes, Quark and Odo have this incredible relationship, and this is one of those things I remember from throughout the series, and I didn't realize it was here from episode three on, mm-hmm. which is they they clearly are best friends. Yeah, they will. Neither of them will ever admit it. No, but the the very first scene when we see uh, Keiko yelling at uh, Chief O'Brien, and down on the level below, Quark and Odo are are just chatting, just yeah, hanging just out, hanging out. Having a conversation, having Matt's quote conversation yep. there. And if anyone asks, Quark's going to, Odo's going to say, oh, I'm just keeping an eye on him. And Quark's going to say the, pretty much the same thing. Yeah. But they're but, just hanging out. But then there's a scene where the Bajorans, who are getting a little more rowdy, are, are starting to talk about, hey, he was here under the Cardassians. Why is he still here? Mm-hmm. And Quark's like, no, 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 no. He's cool. Like, really? You're saying that, huh? I just, like, And, and then so- they have another scene together. Sorry. Um where after Odo's been taken off the investigation where Quark comes in and, yeah, he's probably trying to get tabs on what's going on. Mm-hmm. But he's also clearly saying, hey, buddy, you all right? Yeah. It's just, it's it's such like, a great relationship. There's a lot going on with these two. Yeah, there really is. And I think like, I think a lot of it has to do with the, like, and they state it flat out in this. Odo made Quark a better criminal. Well, yeah. It's sort of that Joker thing where it's like, you know. Quark's- they can't live without each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But on the other hand, I also think he made him a criminal that, you know, like Odo's probably still exactly aware of what he does. Oh, yeah. He's probably got him working within the shady parts of the law that are, eh, they're okay. Mm-hmm. He's not selling weapons. He's, do, you know, he's just, who knows what he's doing. It's who like, cares? listen, this is going to happen on the station regardless. Yeah. But I know what I'm doing here. Right. No, and it's great to see that this is in place already because while it is interesting to watch these these relationships grow mm-hmm. it's nice that some of them sort of already exist and we don't have to we can just now we can just kind of take that one for granted yeah which i like yep it's interesting we were talking about this during the episode it's interesting watching these relationships 
form, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we had, uh, like, we had the first meeting between, uh, Bashir and Cisco. Or well, not first meeting, but the first time they've ever sort of hung out together in this episode. Yeah, Cisco asks Dax out to lunch, and there's a, there's a comic misunderstanding, and he ends up having to take Bashir to lunch. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I really like watching these new, all these new characters play off of each other. Yeah, it's interesting. Whereas on Next Gen, it just felt like, oh, you're not Riker yet. Come on. Yeah. These guys just sort of feel more fully formed, like they, they thought it out ahead of time. It's like they're, they're starting off as the characters we know, and they'll just become more that character as we go along. Right. You know? But it's not, you know, again, there was there was a distinct lack of Picard being like the Picard we knew and liked until about season two and a half. That's true. About halfway through season two. Whereas, yeah, although we could argue that that was character development. Eh, I don't know. There were, remember season three of Next Gen where, like, every week he was a badass just over and over and over again? Yep. Because the show suddenly realized that nobody liked the captain? That's a, that is true. It it felt very conscious, like, oh, shit, we better make this guy like it. And it worked. Mm-hmm. We ended up quite liking him. But for the yep. first couple of seasons, we weren't that impressed. That was a rough one. It was. Whereas Cisco, as you said, you know, last week. Just you know, awesome. Immediately likable. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that we're exploring the, the sort of sea story in this is we're exploring uh, Dax. The idea that, that she's lived all these lifetimes. And, and as you say, uh, Bashir wants to get into her old man pants. Yep. And it kind of addresses, well, does Cisco have a thing for her now? Because she is kind of a young hottie. Yeah. And he's, like, and he's like, no, no, that's, that's, that's my old man friend. I can't yeah, even, I like, can't, I don't. Doctor, you've got the, no competition there. The, 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 that scene with, with Cisco talking to Bashir is actually great. Because he gets into sort of telling, telling Bashir about old, uh, like old Curzon stories. Right. We get another look at weird, happy Cisco. He's got this, this, his acting, again, we're going to talk about this a lot, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. He's got this thing where, <laughs> like, he'll just suddenly laugh. Yeah. Just in the middle of nothing, nowhere. Like, and, where the, like, what the fuck was that? Like, it, there's no buildup. No. And there's no come down. It's just. It's a full-on braying. It just appears out of nowhere and disappears just as quickly. Yep. Such an odd man. He laughs like Batman. Batman doesn't laugh. He doesn't laugh like Batman laughs. He laughs like the character of Batman. Oh, I see what Just you're saying. Just there and then gone. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Batman don't shiv either. That's true. In case you were wondering. He balls nasty. He balls nasty. No, but it was also nice to just, let's get this out of the way now. Cisco doesn't have a thing for Dax. They are very good friends, yeah. and there's no romantic tension there whatsoever. Yeah. I'm glad. that that's a, That's something that might have lingered in my head for a little while. If I were watching this for the first time, yeah. I'm glad that it's just, it's not even there. I just, lo- I, I love Cisco's like, no, that, that's weird. Yeah. And Bashir keeps on. He's like, well, yeah, but if it were me, that might make her hotter. You're into some weird stuff, doctor. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Oh, my bad thing. Okay. The rubber mask reveal at the end where oh, Ibudan, where they, where they realize that this stupid cloaked figure that's been hanging around the whole time. And then, and then Odo pulls off the mask, and it's really Ibudan. Just, uh Yeah, I wasn't kidding. He's actually wearing a rubber mask. Yeah. It was very much like the review uh, reveal at the end of a Scooby-Doo episode. It yep. was a bit ridiculous. Ah, uh, so, old man, <laughs> old man Smithers or whatever. Uh-huh. It was you the whole time, and I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for that meddling changeling. No, shapeshifter. Which they called him throughout the entire shifter. Shifter. Get out of here, shifter. 
Go back where you came from, Shifter. I don't, I don't know, know where that, that is. is. <laughs> and, we, and so, yeah, that main plot, we got this whole, like, sort of Old West vibe to it, where the sheriff has been taken off the case, and the, the townspeople are getting He's rowdy. too close to it, Al. <laughs> he got too close. <laughs> Watch your six. Stay frosty. <laughs> don't get too close. Don't forget what side you're on. He got too close. Um, but you got the angry mob coming to his office and threatening to kill him. Yep. And Cisco's got to get him to back down, and it's it just it again that very sort of old west vibe in a good way. Mm-hmm. In a they were it, even going to lynch him for Christ's sake. Yeah, they, he's well shit. How do we lynch a shapeshifter? Yeah, which was a nice little thing. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a conversation between Cisco and uh, and Odo before he's taken off the case, um, before he gets too close, where he says, um, "You're getting cl- too close to getting close, Odo." You can't just do whatever you want. You can't just lock up whoever you want. He's like, well, I used to be able to. It was really easy when I used to work for the Cardassians. No, you guys want me to follow the law. <laughs> Bunch of squares. Whatever. I like that. It's the second time in, in two weeks that uh, that he's told him this. Yep. Every but, week from now on. Yep. You got it. You can't just go arresting whoever you want. Well, why not? Damn I it. Don't, I don't follow you, Commander. Yeah. I'm not. I, I don't. I'm not really, but it was a nice, while this was an Odo episode, it didn't exactly feel like we got to know Odo, and I'm not, that's not a complaint. No. But we didn't really get in his head that much. No. Because he's just sort of, I want to say one note, but that sounds like a criticism, and it's not. I don't think that's quite right. He's just so driven, he's all about the one thing and nothing else, that there's really not a lot of getting in his head. Yeah, like, this is, this is what he, this is what he was born to do. Right. You know, he's a cop. And he yep. cops well. Yes. Yes, he does. And that's why the Federation kept him on. Yeah. Even though he worked for the Cardassians, because he's a guy you could trust no matter who's in charge. Yeah. Because... Like, he did he did a good job when he was working for the Cardassians. Yeah, because he wanted justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, what I like else? Odo. What's up? I like Odo. I do, too. But I'm saying it's an, it's an Odo episode, and I don't feel like I learned much about him. No. And not just because I knew about him anyway. Just because, uh, you know, there's not a lot to learn. That's true. He's just Mr. Justice Man. Yep. I just got a line. I got a note here. Hey, Keiko, go live on Bajor for eight years. <laughs> There's only seven seasons to the show, Matt. Sure is. <laughs> In space, everyone can hear Keiko scream. <laughs> right as the episode is panning out, and th- I don't know if this is going to work if I explain it. It probably won't. But we cut to... We cut, this is after the school, we, we've gotten a shot of the school, and then we pan out to look at the, at the, or at the, at the Enterprise, at DS9 one more time as the credits come up, mm-hmm. and Al, and right as it, as it pulls out, Al goes, ah! <laughs> and yeah, I I'm completely not sure, uh, lost my shit. I'm not sure why you laughed, I'm glad you did, but. Oh uh, my god! I don't know that that translates. The timing on that was just perfect! <laughs> well, thank you. I, um. I just, I picture the wormhole aliens, like, opening up the wormhole, contacting Cisco and saying, what is that linear noise? Did you hear that? What the hell? Can you, can you please stop that? See, the problem is that if you don't live, if you're not used to linear time, that noise is always happening. Oh, poor, poor prophets. You, um, you noticed, and this is cool, when, uh, when O'Brien and Keiko are having dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. In well, their, uh, this was this was a nice little um, acting choice, I think, by Colmini. I don't know that this yep. was in the script. I could be wrong, but it just it felt like a nice little touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've been married what a year? 
Uh, it's longer than that now, because Molly's like two years old. Oh, that's true. They so, got married in... Season four, I thought. Yeah, season four. And we're in season six of Next Gen overlapping right now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, she's, they've so been married at least... They've been married probably about two years. And he goes to eat whatever sushi, whatever she made. Like she makes every night. Because it's always some kind of Japanese something. And he fumbles with the chopsticks. Yep. And you realize he still doesn't know how to eat with chopsticks after all this time. No, and she won't let him have a fork. Right, she took them all away. She threw them away. <laughs> you know, some of that was my mother's wedding silverware. Doesn't matter! Why do you always talk about your mother? <sighs> You're not respecting my beliefs, Miles! <sighs> the she thing flushes is, everything he loves out an airlock. <laughs> I want to be very clear on the fact that I love to hate her. Mm -hmm. She's another one of those characters where I'm glad she's there because we're starting to see the Chief O'Brien must suffer thing that'll come up later. As if he hasn't suffered enough. Yeah, but we're seeing it now. Mm -hmm. Now he's a main character, so we get to see it a lot. Yep. And I just, I, Colmini plays it so well. Like I said, I think oh. that was an acting choice with the with the chopsticks. Yep. And the eye rolls and the sort of, like, uh, and like the, 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 little, the little glimmer of hope he gets in his eye when Kira calls him and he's got to oh go off Oh my God, that was perfect. It's like, oh, gotta go. Works, Colin. Hey, you heard her. Oh, man, you know, like, that's a shame because we were, I was really enjoying this conversation that I had to have with you. <laughs> this, uh-huh, yes, dear, I was having yep. with you. Oh boy, ah, uh, the O'Briens. Uh, anything else? Uh, I think that's everything I wanted to hit. Yeah, me too. And that's the thing. I think these episodes may end up being a little shorter just because we don't have quite as much to make fun of. Yeah. And I don't want it to just be us going, "Well, this this was great. This was great. This was great." But you know what? It's great. I don't know what. Yeah, to tell it's you. pretty pretty great. Yep. But uh, I know we got a couple of goofy ass ones coming up here in in season one. Mm -hmm. I know they, they stumble a little bit. And I know Brian's joining us for one particular heinous one. Listen, I love this show. They're not all perfect. No, but they're... they're I mean, look, the first three episodes are already infinitely better than all of season one of Next Gen. That is true. And, you know, at this point, as you said, we were in Naked Now and I believe Space Africa. Uh, Space Africa was... Yeah. Yeah. And, and here we got two, like, pretty complex character stories going on. Yeah. As well as business moving forward for the patrons of the station, like with the school and everything. Yep. So, yeah. Apples and oranges. Don't compare yourself, man. It ain't healthy. I imagine as much as we say that, there's going to be a lot of it. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to tell myself that more than anything else. All, All right. right. Our website, as usual, postatomichorror.com. You can get our app in the App Store. It is free. You could write to us, postatomichorror at gmail. And... Postatomichorror.tumblr.com. Oh, yeah, we got that Tumblr now where yep. we uh, we see cool Star Trek stuff and we retumble it at you. Yep. And also, that's probably where you'll see the show post first, because that's just the order that I do things it's in. It's really easy to post on Tumblr. Right, exactly. So with that, we'll be back next week. Uh, and the next time Matt talks to you, he will be a married man. Yes. So uh, good luck with that, Matt. Thanks. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.